0: We're about to get an answer to the age old question, can you be confirmed Attorney General of the United States over the objection of 1,400 law professors?
1: <laughs> well, I don't Hilarious to tonight. I got the feeling
2: something right. No, it's not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Let me choke to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, i stuck in From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast And 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, in Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota, You guys have great U.S. Senators there, by the way. We'll get to that in a bit. Also streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com, thank you for joining us today for another thrilling action-packed adventure as Senate confirmation hearings begin for Donald Trump's nominees to his cabinet uh, we will talk uh, momentarily about Jeff Sessions, Senator Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, Alabama Senator, who will now uh, who has been nominated as the uh, uh, choice for U.S. Attorney General despite his years of, uh, well, racially discriminatory behavior, actions, comments, and more. We will focus on that, his civil rights record and his voting rights record in a bit here. Uh, but uh, this was the first of the uh, of the confirmation hearings uh, to to get underway. They're going to come like a a storm, like a tidal wave, like a tsunami over the next few days. Desi Doyen, and you're already looking exhausted from just <laughs> following through following uh, uh, the uh, the hearings with Jeff, Jeff Sessions today.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot to it cover. Is. It's a lot to keep track of. You know, it's just sort of the entire civil rights history of the United States squeezed into just a couple of hours. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah and they're rushing them. Peasy.
2: Exactly. And, and they're rushing them through, and they're all yes. happening. They're going to be happening here over the next few days all at once. There was one change. There was supposed to be uh, on Wednesday... Uh, one, two, three, four. Five different hearings in various Senate committees all going on at once. Now the uh, Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee has moved their hearing for Betsy DeVos, who's been nominated for education secretary. They've moved that to January 17. But the other four continue. The second day of hearings for Jeff Sessions, the hearing for uh, uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, CEO of ExxonMobil. That's going on at the same time. The hearing for the uh, CIA director, nominated uh, Congressman Mike Pompeo, uh, and the uh, nomination for the transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, Uh, who just happens to be uh, the uh, the wife of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. So all of these are going on at the same time. They've all been scheduled at the same time. I would uh, suggest it is no accident. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, as I mentioned, uh, told Democrats they should grow up if they don't like it. Uh, Even though he asked for a very similar, similarly thorough review of Barack Obama's nominees back in 2009 in a letter back then, back in 2009 to uh, then Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. McConnell requested that the nominees FBI background checks, the Office of Government Ethics Review and financial disclosure statements were all complete, quote, prior to a hearing being noticed. Well, that was something that Mitch McConnell demanded back in 2009. He doesn't demand it now because the uh, Office of Government Ethics, the uh, director of that office over the weekend, said that they have not even been able to complete the background checks for many of these uh, uh, nominees, even though uh, their uh, nomination hearings are coming up uh, now or any uh, any day now. The Kentucky Senator McConnell said uh, that this uh, complete set of information back then in 2009 was necessary to, quote, ensure that the Senate has had the opportunity to fairly review a nominee's record and to make a fair decision prior to a vote. Nonetheless, uh, this is all moving forward, despite the fact that the OGE, the Office of uh, Governmental Ethics, uh, the director there wrote on Saturday that, Uh, Two senior Democrats that the crammed hearing schedule has left his office unable to complete ethics review for several of the Trump picks, including the education secretary uh, nominee, Betsy DeVos. Perhaps that's why uh, DeVos's uh, hearing has been uh, moved back by a few days, as well as Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. Uh, He is scheduled to have his hearings begin on Thursday. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that the letter from McConnell back in 2009 and the uh, the, the fact that uh, you know, McConnell felt one thing then a different thing now proves that Trump's transition team was colluding with Senate Republicans, quote, to jam through these cabinet appointees, these cabinet nominees uh, before they have been thoroughly vetted. Uh, And it was actually uh, kind of funny. Des, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Chuck Schumer actually took the letter that uh, McConnell had sent to Harry Reid back in 2009. Did you see this? He posted it on uh, <laughs> on did. on the Twitters.
1: It's hilarious.
2: He yeah, it crossed out the name, the actual letter. He crossed out the name, you know, to Harry Reid. He changed that to uh, Mitch McConnell. And dear Harry was changed to dear Mitch. He just scratched. Uh, he scratched with up Mitch sharpie. McConnell's. Yeah, with a sharpie, scratched out Mitch McConnell's signature at the end. Put his own on. Uh, put his own on it, and sent it. And even at the top, the letterhead says Office of the Republican Leader. He just scratched out Republican and changed it to office of the Democratic leader and sent the same letter back to Mitch McConnell, in which McConnell had said uh, had had described the best practices that he insisted upon uh, for these uh, for advice and consent on presidential nominees, and the duty which he says we take seriously. He said these best practices serve the Senate well, and we will insist on their fair and consistent application. And one of those things he insisted on at the time, number two here in a a lengthy list, the Office of Government Ethics letter must be complete and submitted to the committee in time for review and uh, prior to a committee hearing. So uh, that's what he sent back to him. But Mitch McConnell does not seem to be so interested in that. As a matter of fact, none of the Republicans seem to be particularly interested in following precedent from previous years. Democratic lawmakers, according to Politico, uh, were have now been able to secure testimony from congressional Black Caucus members this week at the confirmation hearing for Jeff Sessions as Attorney General. However, as uh, California Senator Dianne Feinstein, she's the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, which is hearing Jeff Sessions' uh, testimony today. Feinstein said the um, the top uh, had a, said she had approached. The chairman of the committee, Chuck Grassley, last week with this request to allow, uh, among others, Congressman John Lewis and other Congressional Black Caucus members to appear before the committee to discuss to discuss Jeff Sessions uh, nomination and his record to discuss his nomination to be the nation's top cop. The Iowa Republican Grassley was willing to allow them to testify, but on the condition that the lawmakers appear only after A group of outside witnesses testify about Jeff Sessions. Democrats were miffed at the offer, viewing it as an insult to lawmakers who typically appear before non-lawmaker witnesses testify. They also saw it as an attempt by Republicans to bury what would be high-profile testimony from Congressman Lewis, who is a civil rights icon Uh, having uh, marched across the Selma Bridge uh, in in Montgomery, Alabama, in the fight for voting rights, not only marched across the bridge, but got beaten to a bloody pulp in that march.
1: By police.
2: By police. Thank you. Feinstein said, I was pleased when uh, Chairman Grassley agreed to make this possible. However, I regret that they will have to wait until after a nine-member panel speaks asking three members of Congress to sit and wait until the end of the hearing to testify, likely at the same time the Senate will be holding important budget votes, she says, is deeply unfair. Democrats pointed out that the committee's past practices has been to have lawmakers testify, when they testify at these things, to have lawmakers testify before non-members, before non-Congress people. During John Ashcroft's attorney general confirmation hearing, for example, back in 2001, the committee, the same committee, hosted a panel of lawmakers who had also worked with uh, John Ashcroft, who was a senator. Uh, The panel of lawmakers discussed the former Missouri senator's nomination. That panel included uh, several Democrats, several Republicans, and they went they spoke, they gave their testimony after Ashcroft was finished, but before a separate group of outsider, uh, of outside witnesses uh, testified at the hearing. And Democrats want the same treatment for the Congressional Black Caucus members uh, at Sessions hearing, but uh, but they are apparently not going to get it. That is so not much how more Grassley professional would... courtesy. Indeed. Uh, well, it, you know, depends Which professionals, I suppose. Uh, Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, is one of those uh, in the Black Caucus who is hoping to testify. He uh, is opposing uh, Sessions, uh, and it marks the first time in the chamber's history that a sitting U.S. senator has testified against another sitting U.S. senator who's up for a cabinet job. Usually they're very nice to each other in these uh, hearings when it comes to uh, their their colleagues, when their colleagues are testifying. Booker said, I do not take uh, lightly the decision to testify against a Senate colleague, but the immense powers of the attorney general combined with the deeply troubling views of this nominee is a call to conscience, said Senator Booker. So uh, supposedly he will testify on Wednesday. Along with uh, civil rights icon uh, John Lewis, but only after everyone else has spoken and perhaps after everyone else has gone home. When he was, uh, when Booker was talking about the civil rights record of this particular nominee, uh, we've spoken about it on this show uh, quite a bit since his nomination. Uh, but uh, Ari Berman over at uh, The Nation. <laughs> We put together a piece yesterday uh, that really highlights uh, a lot of troubling matters from Jeff Sessions' record in Alabama, where he served as the uh, attorney general. He also served as a U.S. attorney there under Ronald Reagan. Uh, his, uh, his nomination to become a federal judge, however, was turned down back in 1986 due to his woeful civil rights record at the time. Uh, and he was one of, the, uh, one of the few, very few in American history to be turned down for a federal judgeship after a hearing in the U.S. Senate. Uh, but Ari Berman uh, wrote a, a bit more about Sessions' troubling record uh, he, uh, over at The Nation. He writes, on uh, September 12, 1986, Earl McGee, a 29-year-old African-American man, was convicted of murdering his ex-wife and another student in Selma, Alabama. He was sentenced to death. Though the trial took place in Selma's Dallas County, which was 55% black and the birthplace of the Voting Rights Act, McGee was convicted by an all white jury because prosecutors struck all 24 eligible African American jurors from the case. Six black jurors were removed for, quote, low intelligence, according to the prosecution. As Alabama's attorney general from 1995 to 1997, Jeff Sessions defended the prosecutor's actions uh, that took place in the uh, in the 80s when the case was appealed, when the death sentence case was appealed. The district attorney for Dallas County, Roy Johnson, who oversaw the McGee prosecution, had also recommended that Sessions prosecute three longtime civil rights activists in Alabama for voter fraud a trial that Sessions lost. All of those voting rights activists were, uh, were found not guilty. And it was, in fact, that case against those civil rights activists claiming they committed fraud when they did not. It was that case and that trial uh, that contributed to uh, Sessions being blocked for his federal judgeship in 1986. But when he was the uh, attorney general, Says Brian Stevenson, the renowned civil rights lawyer and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery. When he was attorney general, we had a horrific problem of racial bias in jury selection, Stevenson says. Before Sessions took office, courts had reversed 23 cases where there had been intentional exclusion of people of color on juries and his office defended most of those cases. Sessions' office. He was defending the prosecutor's conduct in the McGee case, where all 24 eligible African American jurors were struck, and he was saying that it was not uh, unconstitutional or illegal or discriminatory, despite that all of those African Americans who were qualified for jury service were excluded from the case. Stevenson argued McGee's case on appeal. And in 2009, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit agreed with him and vacated the death sentence, citing, quote, intentional discrimination by the prosecution and an astonishing pattern resulting from the total exclusion of African-Americans. When his sentence was overturned, McGee had been on death row in Alabama for 23 years. Alabama became the first state to bring back the use of chain gangs in 1995. A remnant of Jim Crow, and Sessions, as Alabama's attorney general at the time, defended it as "quote perfectly proper." The chain gangs were later scrapped uh, after a year due to federal a federal lawsuit. As a U.S. senator since 1997, Sessions. Quote, is one of the few Republican legislators who does not support bipartisan efforts to reform the nation's criminal justice system, according to a new report by the Brennan Center for Justice. Sessions personally blocked bipartisan legislation supported by the Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley and House Speaker Paul Ryan, which would have reduced unnecessarily long sentences for nonviolent crimes. But Sessions was against it. He opposed consent decrees between the Justice Department and cities like Ferguson and Baltimore in order to reduce police misconduct. He called that one of the most dangerous and rarely discussed exercises of raw power. He opposes efforts to end mandatory minimum sentences for nonviolent drug offenses or to decriminalize marijuana. He says uh, last year, uh, this is just last year, he said, quote, good people don't smoke marijuana. More than any other nominee for attorney general in modern American history, Ari Berman writes, Sessions would be an unapologetic defender of the old Confederacy and has refused to criticize policies that stem directly from Jim Crow. For example, Alabama's 1901 constitution still includes language authorizing a poll tax and segregated schools. Interracial marriage was illegal in the state until 2000. Interracial marriage was still illegal as of 2000 in the state of Alabama. When Sessions was the attorney general there, uh, there were still officially segregated proms in the state. He brought no cases to stop them, apparently. Last year, after the massacre of nine African Americans in Charleston, South Carolina, Alabama Governor Robert Bentley removed the Confederate flag from the grounds of the Alabama State House. When he was asked about it, Sessions, who is named after a Confederate general, said, I'm not going to criticize the governor, but uh, he went on to defend Confederate history anyway. He said, quote, and remember, this is just last year. He said, quote, this is a huge part of who we are. And the left is continually seeking in a host of different ways, it seems to me. I don't want to be too paranoid about this, he said, but they seek to legitimize the fabulous accomplishments of our country. That in response to the removal of the Confederate flag in Alabama following the mass murder of African Americans in a Charleston, uh, South Carolina church last year. That shooter, by the way, today was sentenced to the death sentence in those, uh, in those shootings. Nonetheless, uh, Sessions wants to be too careful about not uh, dele- delegitimizing the fabulous accomplishments of our country. Senator Bernie Sanders, <clears throat> who is not on the Judiciary Committee, uh, which is holding its hearings even as we go to air here today with Jeff Sessions, so we don't get to catch all of it. Uh, but Bernie Sanders was on a, a town hall last night on CNN, and he was asked by a member of the audience about Jeff Sessions' view on voting rights and how Bernie Sanders planned to vote uh, in the uh, confirmation of Senator Jeff Sessions. Senator
3: I am worried about the direction of the Department of Justice over the next four years, specifically on voting rights. In light of Senator Sessions' history attacking the Voting Rights Act, will you oppose his confirmation?
0: I'm going to listen to what Jeff Sessions has to say. I've known Jeff for, for many, many years. But I have very, very strong concerns. And I think the issue you raise about the Voting Rights Act and how the Supreme Court a few years ago gutted the Voting Rights Act and that right now in state after state, Republican states, what they are doing, this is really kind of unbelievable when you think about it, they're working overtime not to expand democracy, not to bring more people into the political process, they're trying to make it harder for people to vote under the guise of voter fraud. Thank God in America, voter fraud is very, very rare. But they're using that argument To make it harder for poor people, for old people, for people of color to vote. I consider this to be one of the most significant issues facing our country. Okay? So I will listen very, very carefully to what Senator Sessions has to say. But I share your concerns. Thank you.
2: And of course, I share those concerns too, given that uh, Jeff Sessions has uh, not lifted a finger, in fact, to restore the Voting Rights Act since it was gutted by the Supreme Court in 2013. So I was listening very close, as I know you or Des, uh, oh, yeah. to uh, comments on a whole bunch of stuff uh, that uh, were was brought up in the uh, in the hearing today, at least by Democrats. Republicans were largely lauding Jeff Sessions for being a wonderful person. That's what they do. Democrats, on the other hand, were actually asking about issues of concern politely, very politely. Uh, as seems to be the case whenever one of their own, one of their uh, fellow senators uh, comes up. Um,
1: Very politely. <laughs> yes. Am I putting
2: a nice? Am I putting it too nicely to say that? No, uh, I think that
1: that uh, you're accurately characterizing it. You know y- that it's like a sort of an extreme over politeness, actually.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially given the issues that we're talking about. And I didn't, you know, uh, go check out Ari Berman's uh, article over at The Nation, uh, headlined "Jeff Sessions Could Return Criminal Justice to the Jim Crow Era," just to get a sense. I didn't. I only read uh, a, a, a part of it. Um, but uh, there were senators that were, in fact, <clears throat> asking about his civil rights record and his voting rights record. Most of them seem to be from Minnesota, but we'll get to that in uh, in a quick moment. Let's take a quick break, and we will come back with some extended excerpts from today's hearing in the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee uh, in the confirmation hearings for Senator Jeffrey Beauregard, Beauregard. Sessions. For U.S. Attorney General, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world, and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media, you know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump, must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Yeah.
4: Why I'm, easy. I'm easy. like Sunday
2: morning. Way too easy. Way too easy. <laughs> uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, when, I'm when it came to the, the questioning of Senator, and it's not, Je- I called him Jeffrey uh, before right. the break, Jefferson, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, uh, a senator from Alabama who has been nominated as attorney general. Uh, Yeah, it was. uh, So far, at least, it's been very easy. The questions from the U.S. senators. We'll see if things change tomorrow when witnesses actually come up. Uh, concerning uh, Sessions' uh, character and and who they are, whether we'll be able to see them, I don't know, because we've got five different hearings all going on at once. I don't even know that C-SPAN doesn't even have that many channels. I know. So, uh, you know, some of these things just won't be aired, much less the ability to actually look at them. I think uh, Lindsey Graham's joke uh was was probably the most accurate uh concerning what will likely come from these hearings uh he, he made a joke he was re- referring to the fact that some 1400 law school uh attorneys i guess law school professors or or attorneys from around the country have said uh jeff sessions should not be uh confirmed as uh, secretary as uh Attorney General, given his history
1: Yeah, along with a number of civil rights groups And petitions, they've received a lot Of pushback on this nomination
2: They have, but to uh, Lindsey Graham In the U.S. Senate and his fellow Republican, Jeff Sessions uh, That was all just hilarity We're about to get an
0: answer to the age-old Question, can you be confirmed Attorney General of the United States Over the objection of 1,400 law professors (laughs) 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 I don't know what the betting line in Vegas is, but (laughs) I like your chances.
2: Yes, he does. And for good reason, if you watch these hearings. I want to play some uh, extended excerpts, and I want to focus here on the voting rights and the civil rights, Uh, but specifically on voting rights, since we cover that a lot here. Let's put those first uh, with these extended excerpts. And as it turns out, and I don't say this uh, just because... Our affiliate in Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950, uh, is fantastic. Uh, But, in fact, it was the Minnesota Senators, both uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar and Senator Al Franken. Uh, who seemed to be the ones really pressing him, uh, pressing Jeff Sessions on his record. And, and even they were kind of nice. But let's let you decide. Um, first up uh, here, Senator Amy Klobuchar, she asked uh, Sessions about his opposition to fixing the Voting Rights Act since it was gutted by the Supreme Court. Uh, and about his comments about the Voting Rights Act, a landmark piece of civil rights legislation. Sessions referred to it, in fact, as a, quote, intrusive piece of legislation. Klobuchar also referenced enforcement of court rulings against things like photo ID voting restrictions, which have been found to be unlawful by a number of federal courts, including a very conservative appellate court in Texas last year. There were, uh, uh, during th- this questioning and as well a few others earlier today, uh, various protests, this one not very loud. You, you may hear some of these interruptions in the background as uh, Klobuchar is questioning Jeff Sessions.
4: You and I talked about how at one point you previously called the Voting Rights Act an intrusive piece of legislation, Um, And I wondered if you could explain that, as well as uh, talk about uh, how you will actively enforce uh, the remaining pieces of the act. If you could just explain your views of of the Voting Rights Act moving forward and what would happen in terms of enforcement uh, if you were attorney general.
5: The Voting Rights Act passed in 1965 was one of the most important acts uh, uh, to deal with racial difficulties. Uh, that we we face, and it changed the whole course of history, particularly in the South. There was a clear finding that there were discriminatory activities in the South, that uh, a number of states were systematically uh, denying individuals the right to vote. And you go back into the history, you can see it plainly, actions and rules and procedures were adopted in a, a number of states with the specific purpose of blocking African Americans uh, from voting and it was just wrong and the voting rights act confronted that and it in effect, targeted certain states and required any, even the most minor changes in voting procedure, right. like moving a precinct across — So how
4: would, you, how would you approach this going forward? For instance, the Fifth Circuit's decision that the Texas voter ID law discriminates against minority voters. That was written by uh, a Bush appointee. Uh, do you agree with that decision? How would you handle this moving forward? Well, I have not studied that. Um, th-
5: There's going to be a debate about it. Courts are ruling on it now, and that is a voter ID and whether or not that is an improper restriction on voting uh, that uh, adversely impacts disproportionately minority citizens. So that's a matter that's got to be decided. On the surface of it, it doesn't appear to me to be that. I have publicly said I think voter ID laws, properly drafted, are okay. But as Attorney General, it will be my duty to study the facts in more depth to analyze the law, uh, but fundamentally that can be decided by Congress and the courts as they interpret the existing law. I did vote to extend the uh, Voting Rights Act several years ago. I thought it, and it included Section 5, uh, but later Section 5 was eliminated by the Supreme Court uh, on the and basis how about the that progress nine? had been made. In this, and on an intrusive question, let me answer that. It yeah. is intrusive. The Supreme Court on more than one occasion has described it legally as an intrusive act because it only focused on a certain number of states. And normally when Congress passes a law, it implies to the whole country. So it's a very unusual thing for a law to be passed that targets only a few states. But they had a factual basis. They were able to show that it was justified in this fashion. Uh, so that's the foundation for it, and that's why I supported it. Its renewal, mm-hmm.
4: and I think you'll understand its. Uh you look at this issue um, that there are many voters, people who are trying to vote, that view some of these rules that are put in place as intrusive for them because it makes it harder for them to vote. And I think that is the balance uh, that you're going to need to strike. And I just, I hope, I just, coming from a state that has such high voter turnout, that has same-day registration, uh, very good turnout in Iowa as well, right below us, states that have put in place some really expansive voter laws, and it doesn't mean Democrats always get elected. We've had Republican governors in Minnesota. We have a Republican governor in Iowa. And I just point out that I think the more we can do to encourage people to vote, the better democracy we have.
2: Yeah, well, uh, Republicans are not always in favor of encouraging people to vote. That was uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota with Jeff Sessions. Uh, Her uh, colleague, uh, Minnesota Senator Al Franken, then asked Sessions about his uh, previous claims uh, that he had filed 20 to 30 desegregation cases while serving as Attorney General uh, of Alabama and as a federal U.S. attorney in the state. Uh, Here's that exchange with uh, Al Franken and Jeff Sessions.
6: So tell me, did you file... 20 or 30 desegregation cases or is it some other number?
5: Well, thank you, Senator uh, Frank, and it is important for us to be accurate. Uh, the records don't show that there were 20 or 30 actually filed cases. Some of the cases involve multiple defendants and multiple parties like to a, a school board and a county commission being sued for racial discrimination or uh, things of that nature, but the number would be less than that as we've uh, looked at.
6: So I, what, what do you think would have caused you to say
5: I don't that know. you I filed th- 20 or 30 desegregation? <laughs> well, we had cases going throughout my district, and some of them uh, were started before I came and continued after I left. Uh, some of them uh, were brought and then settled promptly. And uh, so it was extraordinarily difficult, actually, and I was surprised, to get a record by checking the docket sheets to find out exactly how many cases were involved? Okay. In
2: so it wasn't actually 20 to 30 as he had said on on radio. I think he said oh, I just said it on radio. Off the top,
1: uh, of, my off off the top of my head, I didn't have the record of Twenty or 30?
2: Yeah, apparently it was not the truth. Al Franken from Minnesota then pressed the claims uh, from Jeff Sessions in his responses to written confirmation. This was not on the radio. This was actually in response to written questions from senators, specifically a questionnaire for the confirmation hearing. And his claim uh, that uh, that Sessions offered that he had personally, that's a quote, personally handled A number of civil rights cases that the uh, Department of Justice Civil Rights Unit attorneys who actually wrote and worked on and filed those cases recently disputed in a Washington Post op-ed last week. Uh, we, we read that uh, op-ed in full because it was so stunning that these civil rights attorneys were saying, uh, three different ones who wrote this together, saying, no, we actually worked on the case and we're not going to let uh, Jeff Sessions take credit for it since all he did was sign off on these cases as, uh, as U.S. Attorney General in Alabama. They explained at the time that uh, as part of the DOJ Civil Rights Unit, the attorneys put together these cases, worked on them in Washington, D.C., and that before they were then filed in the state of Alabama, where uh, Sessions was serving as the U.S. Attorney, he merely signed off on them, uh, and he did not work on the cases at all, and... Uh, They note that during uh, his failed confirmation uh, hearing to become a federal judge back in the 80s, uh, Sessions didn't even cite those cases as ones that he personally handled or that he was most proud of. But he sure did this time around uh, before his confirmation hearing today.
6: The questionnaire you submitted for today asks you to list and describe the, quote, 10 most significant litigated matters you personally handled. Among the cases that you listed that you personally handled are three voting rights cases and a desegregation case. Last week, I should note, three attorneys who worked at DOJ and who actually brought three of the four cases, wrote an op-ed piece in which they say, quote, we can state categorically that Sessions had no substantive involvement in any of them. Now, you originally said that you personally handled three of these cases, but these lawyers say that you had no substantive involvement. Are they distorting your record here?
5: Yes. Uh, In fact, one of the writers there, Mr. Hebert, spent a good bit of time in my office. Uh, He said I supported him in all the cases he brought, That I was more supportive than almost any other U.S. attorney, and that I provided office space. I signed the complaints that he brought, and as you know, um, may know, uh, Senator Franken, uh, when a lawyer signs a complaint, uh, he's required to affirm that he believes in that complaint and supports that complaint and supports that legal action, which I did. We sued. So that's the- your that's
6: your personal involvement. Was that? Your name was on it?
5: Well, uh, you can dispute the, the impact or the import of the questionnaire. Another attorney, who, uh, Paul Hancock, who brought cases in our district, said, Well, the Attorney General claims credit for the cases. In the Department of Justice, he saw nothing wrong with my claiming that this was a case that I had handled. Okay, two of uh, the... So you can disagree with that, but okay, those cases... I want to get through this, I don't want you on to... On I, I get through On this. the docket sheet, my name is listed number one on the, uh, as okay, attorney well, for the case.
6: These represent three of the four cases that you claimed that were among the top ten cases that you personally handled. One Mr. of the Francis? cases that you listed was a case that Mr. Rich handled. So if you don't know him, it's hard for me to believe that you personally handled
5: it. Well, when I fi- found that, uh, these cases, I-, I had been supportive you of them. was uh Mr. Hebert says, quote, And yet I have needed Mr. Hel- Sessions's help in those cases, and he has provided that help every step of the way. In fact, I would say that my experience with Mr. Sessions has led me to believe that I have received more cooperation uh, uh, from him, more active involvement from him, because I have called upon him." I have worked side by side with him on some cases in the sense that I have had to go to him for some advice. Close quote. In some cases. Uh,
6: we're not necessarily the ones you
3: listed.
5: Well, look, Okay, this look, was 30 years ago, and I, I, my memory uh, was of this nature, and my memory was my support for those cases. Uh, when this issue was uh, raised, I did do a supplemental that said, I provided assistance and guidance to civil rights division attorneys, had an open door policy with them, and cooperated with them on these cases, close quote. I signed them, I supported cases, and uh, attempted to be as effective as I could be in helping them be successful in these historic cases. I did feel that they uh, were the kind of cases that were national in scope and deserved to be listed on the form. If I'm in error, I apologize to you. I don't think I was.
6: Well, well, you didn't you couldn't find 20 or 30 desegregation cases that you stated you had participated in and you it don't sound like you personally handled cases that you said you personally. Well, that was
5: on a Thank you. radio interview without any records and that was my memory at the time.
2: There you go. Uh, Al Franken uh, from Minnesota uh, questioning Jeff Sessions at his hearing today. Uh, Ted Cruz, uh, senator from Texas, said that Sessions submitted, he, he talked a little bit more about that supplemental uh, after his original answers to his questionnaire, uh, c- claiming that he had personally handled those four civil rights cases, uh, which the folks who worked on them said he did not. The additional paperwork, Cruz said, explained that he provided, quote, assistance and guidance on those civil rights cases, the ones that he had claimed previously until called out. That he had handled personally, Franken said that uh, if 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 there's no difference in what he submitted in that supplemental, uh, why did he bother to do so? Later in the day, Franken continued on this line uh, and brought up the fact that Donald Trump has claimed there were millions of illegal votes cast uh, in the uh, 2016 election. Asked uh, Al, asked uh, Jeff Sessions if he agreed, and uh, Franken followed up about the lack of fraud that actually exists and the bogus claims of voter fraud that are used by Republicans to justify voter suppression.
6: Do you agree with President Trump that millions of fraudulent votes were cast in the presidential election?
5: Senator Franken, I don't know uh, what the president-elect meant or was thinking when he made that comment or what facts he may have had to justify his statement. Uh, I would just say that every election needs to be Managed closely, and we need to ensure that there is integrity in it. And I do believe we regularly have fraudulent activities occur during election cycles. Before we move
6: on, I should note for the record that State election and law enforcement officials surveyed in mid December found virtually no credible reports of fraud. Now, Senator Sessions, you have a complicated history with the Voting Rights Act. Ten years ago, when uh, voting rights was a bipartisan issue. You voted to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act. Everyone did. It passed 98 to nothing. But you have also called the Voting Rights Act "quote an intrusive piece of legislation." You have complained that the act's pre-clearance requirement unfairly targeted certain states, and you have said that there is "quote little present-day evidence that state and local officials restrict access to the franchise." You said that the Voting Rights Act has, quote, eliminated that discrimination. Well, Senator, after the Shelby County decision, which you celebrated, states began testing the limits of what they could do, and in many cases, citing the risk of so-called voter fraud as a justification for their actions. Now, that's what happened in North Carolina, for example. Just a few months after Shelby County, The state enacted one of the nation's strictest voter ID laws and enacted other uh, restrictions. Without any evidence, the state described these changes as necessary to prevent fraud. Well, the courts disagreed. North Carolina's restrictions were challenged, and in July, the Fourth Circuit found the primary purpose of the restrictions wasn't to fight fraud, but to make it harder for black people to vote. Here's what the court said, and I quote, The new provisions target African Americans with almost surgical precision. Do you still believe that there is little present-day evidence of states restricting access to the franchise? And if you do, what do you think the Fourth Circuit got wrong? When it found that North Carolina targeted black voters with almost surgical precision. Do you accept that North Carolina was targeting African-American voters but not believe that it was engaging in discriminatory conduct?
5: Well, you cannot create laws designed to inhibit the right of any class of citizens to vote. And so if the Fourth Circuit found that and there's a factual basis to support it, uh, then any law that's passed would be subject to being uh, either eliminated or altered. So I support your concern that laws of this kind cannot be used for that purpose. I do believe not long ago uh, the Supreme Court did uphold uh, voter ID laws, but there are ways to do it and ways probably you cannot do it so i am not familiar with the details of the north carolina law but you are correct any finding uh, that's sustainable that there's a racial animus in the passing of a law that would restrict voting uh, that law is uh, uh could be unsustainable
2: could be unsustainable That's Jeff Sessions, the man who would be uh, responsible for filing lawsuits against uh, states like that, against states like North Carolina, who were eventually found to have targeted black voters with surgical precision as Al Franken said in that uh, conversation.
1: I'm kind of disturbed that he does is not familiar with that decision. It was That's a huge decision. Yeah. And he says I am not I'm not familiar with that decision yeah. and he mentions, you know, improper reasons for restricting the vote. And what I found surprising is that none of the senators asked him, well, what are proper reasons for restricting the vote? Yeah,
2: exactly. Nobody went to that. One. Well, they would be uh the type of voter fraud that he Uh, that he prosecuted back in the 80s against voting rights advocates, not just voting rights advocates, by the way. Uh, The guy, it was the guy who was marching behind John Lewis across the Selma Bridge on Bloody Sunday. That was one of the uh, three voting rights advocates who were prosecuted by Jeff Sessions for Voter fraud back in the 80s who were acquitted, who were found to be uh, not guilty. That same man, by the way, went on to lead the uh, the team of mules during oh, yes. uh, 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 Martin Luther, Martin Luther, Luther King's, King's funeral, funeral procession. Right. Yeah, that's who Jeff Sessions prosecuted for voter fraud in the past. That's who uh, Jeff Sessions would be targeting now. Those same sorts of folks, because that's still who Republicans are out targeting for phony voter fraud claims uh, and for uh, voter suppression claims. They then got into a uh, into a debate about the uh, Supreme Court gutting the Voting Rights Act. I don't think we're going to have time to play it here, unfortunately, uh, debating the uh, the provisions, the Section 5 provisions which were gutted by the Supreme Court, uh, which required preclearance for new laws uh, before new voting laws before they're implemented in jurisdictions like Jeff Sessions, home state of Alabama, states and other uh, jurisdictions with a long history of racial discrimination. Uh, And they talked about voter suppression in uh, elections and uh, while Section 2 of the voting rights still stands, and that's what was used in North Carolina that Jeff Sessions is not familiar with, that's what was used by the Department of Justice to get that finding, in fact, from the federal court that uh, Republican lawmakers in North Carolina had targeted African-Americans with surgical precision. Uh, that Section 2 still stands, but it allows lawsuits against discrimination only after the fact, only after the law's Uh, ...have been implemented.
1: After the person has lost their right to vote in that Uh, election.
2: That's right. And uh, Jeff Sessions uh, previously, while he did vote in favor of the extension of the Voting Rights Act some years ago, that was not a tough vote. I think it was 98 to 0 in the U.S. Senate. Everyone uh, voted for that, I think by unanimous consent. Uh, He has since refused to help restore uh, the section of the Voting Rights Act, It's actually Section 4, but that's the list of who gets to which jurisdictions have to face preclearance. And he thought that Uh, was
1: unfair, that these jurisdictions were being singled out, despite the fact that they have this very strong history of every time a new uh, law would be struck down, they would put in a new one to take its place quicker, more quickly than uh, prosecutors and the courts could then move to protect voting rights. And
2: that's what's happening now, even after, uh, you know, these laws have been found over and over, like the photo ID restrictions have been found to be unlawful, unconstitutional, uh, targeting African American voters, he still uh, and Republicans are still passing these laws. Uh, all over the place, all in states across the country. And
1: that is what he said in his response to Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota when he said the courts will decide and Congress will decide what kinds of restrictions are okay, what kind of photo ID restrictions are okay. In other words, refusing to acknowledge the evidence that has come out and the court rulings that have come out already. Well,
2: exactly. And not only will the courts decide, but as the U.S. Attorney General, he's the guy. Who decides whether these cases will be brought in the first place? I mean, with days uh, after, within days of the election, before they were even, uh, you know, before they had even certified the results up in the state of Michigan, the Michigan legislature was already moving uh, through a law of photo ID voting restriction. So, uh, you know, he would have to make these decisions. And so far, as of now anyway, uh, his fellow U.S. senators in the Judiciary Committee uh, have not pressed him particularly hard. I think uh, Franken's uh, exchange with him that we don't have time for here was probably uh, the toughest one that he's gotten so far. Anyway, let's take a quick break, uh, because that wasn't all that they talked about. And it wasn't all just voting rights and civil rights. Uh, The climate came up a little bit. We'll see if we have some time for that after this break. I know, Desi, you care about the climate. <laughs> I don't. Uh, but we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, with that in our coverage of Jeff Sessions' confirmation hearings, day one in the U.S. Senate. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Bradcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com dot com, covering Senator Sessions' uh, confirmation hearings, the uh, Donald Trump's nominee to be Attorney General of the United States. Uh, we've been focusing on his uh, voting rights and civil rights record, and the questions that came up from Minnesota Senator. There was one uh, a Hawaii Senator. And uh, I'm—I've lost track of her name. New Hirono?
1: Yes, she was awesome. She Uh, did a very good uh, job. She did.
2: Uh, She asked. She was very nice, like they all were. They were all incredibly polite, incredibly nice. Uh, I might suggest much more polite and much more nice than the moment calls for. Uh, But Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat from Rhode Island. Uh, Asked Senator Sessions about his views on free speech, which uh, Sessions claims to be in favor of. Uh, But then uh, White House narrowed the questions uh, specifically about fraudulent speech, specifically then from corporations. And if that, too, is protected speech, our corporations allowed to uh, make fraudulent comments. He focused on uh, on the tobacco case, the big tobacco case, in which uh, big tobacco was found liable for billions of dollars after it was found, that they had publicly lied about what they knew about the science and the dangers of smoking.
3: Is fraudulent speech protected by the First Amendment?
5: Well, fraudulent speech, if it amounts to an attempt to obtain a thing of value for the person, the fraudulent speech is directed, it's absolutely fraud and can be prosecuted. And and I think we see too much of that. We see these phone calls at night to elderly people. We see mail uh, mailings go out that seem to me to be awfully far from truth and seducing people to probably make unwise decisions. So fraudulent corporate speech would also not be protected by the First Amendment. That is correct. Uh, And it's subject to civil and or criminal uh, complaint. And speaking of civil complaints, was the Department of Justice wrong when it brought
3: and won the civil RICO action against the tobacco
5: industry? Well, Senator, they won those cases. They took them to court and eventually uh, won a monumental victory. Uh, That is correct, and it's part of the law and and, uh, firmly established. Hard to say they were wrong if they won, right? That's correct.
2: So what exactly was White House getting at there, Desi Doyen? Any idea what was he laying a trap?
1: I think I think he was laying a pretty good steel trap right there for the uh, supposed maybe presumptive Attorney General coming in, Jeff Sessions, because when he mentions the tobacco industry lawsuit, the RICO uh, under which it was uh, uh, the RICO statute under which it was prosecuted, that is exactly the same statute that uh, civil that that environmental groups are bringing right now to try to. Mm Exposed the fact that ExxonMobil lied about its own scientific research And funded climate science denial groups for decades And then maybe possibly in New York The Attorney General Schneiderman is also Pursuing an investigation against Exxon based on the idea that they lied to their shareholders.
2: Now, uh, so that
1: would be the statute under which Exxon would be yeah. prosecuted. I don't think Sessions understood what was going well, on. Well, no, question.
2: Uh, no, because uh, I I don't know if he would have been quite as forthcoming to say, yeah, well, that's uh, no, they're not allowed to uh, commit fraud, and I, because the uh, the prosecution that's being modeled right now against ExxonMobil has been modeled on that, that big Rico. tobacco yeah. case. Uh, it did not yet come up in the hearings. I didn't hear the word Ex- the word ExxonMobil yet. But Senator Sheldon Whitehouse later on in the hearing uh, did have a Q&A uh, with Jeff Sessions uh, about uh, global warming and rising oceans and how uh, Jeff Sessions, who, like most election- elected Republicans, is a climate science denier, how he would deal with scientific fact.
3: You, as Attorney General of the United States may be asked to make decisions for our nation that require a factual predicate in making a decision about the facts of climate change to whom will you turn will you for instance trust the military all of whose branches agree that climate change is a serious problem of real import for them by the way nasa is driving a rover around on the surface of mars right now so their scientists i think are pretty good (laughs) and so if that situation is presented to you and you have to make a decision based on the facts what can give us any assurance that you will make those facts based on real facts
5: and real science that's the uh a good and fair question and honesty and integrity in that process is required and if the facts justify a position on on one side or the other on a case i would try to utilize those facts in an honest and appropriate way i've not uh, i don't deny that we have a global warming in fact the theory of it always struck me as plausible and it's the question of how much is happening and uh, what the reaction would be to it
2: So he doesn't deny we have global warming, does he, Doyen? Is he one of these guys who says, uh, of course, climate is changing. Climate always changes. It's changed since the the beginning of time.
1: Well, that's one of those nuances that the deniers have moved on to. They've moved away from saying it's an outright hoax. Then they're saying that, oh, we don't cause it now. He's like, oh, well, maybe we do, but we don't know how much, and we should figure that out first. Before we take action. So anyone who then advocates delaying taking action is, to me, still a denier.
2: Well, they are they are uh, laying a trap, it seems, but they sure are taking their sweet time. And I don't think in the end, at least today, in those hearings, the first day of hearings for uh, Jeff Sessions nomination as attorney general. I don't think the Democrats laid a glove on him in truth. All right, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, for slogging through all of that audio today. Maybe we'll have more tomorrow. Uh, and my thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. And thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue do, to do what we do here on the air every day. You can drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find, follow, and share me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad blog. That's it. Until we meet again. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.